Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. But it doesn't matter, you're immediately cutting out a huge and, let's be honest, fairly affluent part of your audience. If you're not advertising on the iPhone, then what the hell are you doing? That's stupid. More from the tech battlefields later as we discuss the continuing war on Adobe Flash. Welcome to Text Message. I'm Nate Langson. And I'm Ian Morris. And we are going to start... Actually, we're going to do <coughs> We're going to do a pre-start this week um, <laughs> to talk about a couple of things coming up over the next pair of weeks, which includes on the week after the one you're listening to this, we have Apple's event. It's iPhone, iPad, Apple TV ios goodness knows what else event coming up i'm going to be flying out to san francisco for that so you can expect a big dollop of nathan ian pinion that's mm. uh, that's due so that's coming up in uh, in well week after this <clears throat> um, but also also the, in the, the coming weeks and i say this in 12 hours i'll be on a plane Efa in berlin i will be heading out we're going to have a little bit of a discussion later on in the show today about what we expect to come out of EFA, but in particular, we're going to be looking at smartwatches, I think, home automation, maybe a little bit of VR, and wearables in general, I think, are still going to be quite good. I'm also kind of keen to look at some of this, um, what do they call it now? Not UHD. It's the uh, HDR television. Mm, good old HDR. Exciting tech, that. Yeah, expecting to see some new ones, maybe some new curved OLED panels from the likes of LG using HDR TV. So that's going to be coming up. So basically, over the next couple of weeks, you are going to have a smorgasbord of technology feasts to uh, indulge upon with your mouth parts. <laughs> and uh, I, I, for well, one... Am... Are our mouth parts, their ear parts. Well, I'm going to be there in person uh, oh, no, sampling, course, sampling everything. Yes. I'm going to gorge myself uh, for, for the benefit of, uh, you know... 20,000 listeners. <laughs> so, um, yes, let's, but we're going to get to a little bit of our expectations for EFA and Apple um, at the end of the first half of the show this week. And we're going to start the first half of the show with news about Uber. Uber. <laughs> One that I took just a couple of hours ago from London's Euston Station back home. Now, the news here, this is according to Reuters, is that the European Commission will launch a study in September, that is this coming month, in fact, this month almost, of the ride-hailing app Uber in an attempt to settle legal disputes. It's trying, the study is, that is, uh, to determine the legal instruments that Brussels might want to use to decide whether Uber is a transport service or just a digital service that transports people as a service. This according to an EU official. Now, Uber has responded by submitting complaints to the European Commission because they're a 
bit annoyed about German and Spanish court bans, and there's a bunch of French laws uh, on taxis that affect Uber as well, because largely Uber still argues that it is connecting willing drivers with needy customers, and being considered a transport service makes it harder for the company to operate. That obviously would be great news for the -the stuck-in-the-past taxi services who are still operating on outdated uh thinking let's say anyway that's not to get into the debate about whether uber is or is not a good service we have covered that base a few times in the past but the study does to me at least and this is what i present to you ian um it does seem to be the sign that the european commission has to step in and do something because there are too many european countries basically really pissed off at uber and apparently if something is to be done that something begins with a study. What are your, well, what are your thoughts there? I mean, that's sir. very European, isn't it? A quick study of everything. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, get, I get it. That the thing is about Europe is that it's supposed to be... If, for things like this, it is sort of supposed to be the fact that Europe will legislate. So if it dis- decides that ride-sharing, as Uber calls itself should be legal then it will be legal across the union um and it already is here so in fact we don't have a horse in this race particularly we don't um, even although, have the euro though chief let's be honest no but we do, we do tend to abide by the rules don't we i mean we you know we have the Hu- european court of human rights until well i mean i know that the conservatives have said they'd like to get rid of that but uh uh you know i think that actually it has served our purposes extremely well um under another for a number of examples um so it would be nice if there was a unilateral sort of decision on it. And I'm sure Uber would quite like it as long as it came in their favour. Um, but I just, I, I don't know, it was such a complicated thing in terms of being called a ride-sharing service and, uh, you know, all of the all of the baloney that comes along with it. Like, you know, mm. I, really, Uber is a taxi service. I, I, I don't think... You can't really claim it's a ride-sharing service if that's what they do. It's innovation anymore. being beaten up by semantics, right? It it is a bit, yes, um, and yeah, I suppose I suppose that's true. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we have to always give way to innovation just because we kind of think, oh well, we're being evolved, you know, innovated at. Um, and I can see the taxi driver's point, and I can see that Uber have had a few incidents, haven't they, that have uh, led to people being attacked as a result of getting in their cars, and and that just comes down to background checking and you know being not being particularly fastidious about the people you employ, um, and I'm sure that they could up their game on that and, and make it a bit more safe. But at the same time, I I don't think it would be. Well, I like what they've done to the market. They've made mm. it very cheap to get a cab. A, a, at certain times yeah well the study is due to start this coming september uh 2015 we'll keep our eyes on that and see how that study into the usage of uber pans out the tablet market in the uk is doing rather well apparently this is according to an ofcom study Uh, discussed in The Guardian, the proportion of UK households that have a tablet has risen from just 2%, that was in 2011, so that was the year after the iPad was announced, to 54%, according to this Ofcom report. That is that one in every two households 
has a tablet computer. Now, these are most popular, the report continues, amongst people aged 34 to 54. In fact, two-thirds of this age group own those tablets. And again, that was up from just 2% in 2011, as we noted earlier. 60% of 16 to 34-year-olds have access to a tablet. And here's the interesting thing that I find. One in three children aged between 5 and 15 years also have their own device. Now, that's pretty That's pretty interesting to me. One in three children aged 5 to 15 have their own tablet. But the other thing, the final figure I wanted to pull out of here, is that by uh, 2016, so by, well, by the end of 2016, Ofcom anticipates that 63% of UK homes will have a tablet, 74% of 16 to 34-year-olds will have a tablet, and 44, so nearly half of all tablet ownership, uh, will be in the hands of somebody aged 55 or older. I think that is pretty compelling because that shows decent penetration right now of tablets. And at least according to Ofcom, it's it's still in demand and there are more homes that do not have one tablet who'll be getting who'll be getting one over the next 12 to 15 months. Now, that'd be good news for Apple, which has seen iPad sales decline. Uh, At least it's seen demand decline, largely, I think, as we've discussed in the past, Ian, because older iPads and indeed older tablets are generally very good and, and work perfectly well for most people. So the upgrade cycle is not as compelling to uh, be a part of as it is with phones. But we also have a lot of other tablets coming out from the likes of Amazon, let's say, the Kindle Fire, and even things like Tesco's... um, What's Tesco's tablet called? Huddle. The Huddle, yes. Now, the Huddle 2 was... That's very, very good, actually. Yeah. Both those tablets have been surprisingly good. The Huddle Huddle 2, in in particular, was was great for the price. So this is good, I I would say. Good for tablets in the UK, Ian. But um, do any of these numbers surprise you? Um, no, because uh, my parents um, are both over 60 and both of them have an iPad. Mm. And, um, um, you know, with phones, they were never very adventurous. You know, my mum's my mum now has an Android, but that, uh, she had a, a, a Nokia before that uh, ran. I can't even remember what it ran. I suppose it must have been Series 60, but it um, it, it wasn't very advanced. And um, yeah, so for, for them to go from that and, and that's completely wiped out their computer use. So now they just they do email on their tablets, they browse, you know, there's there's the computers basically gathering dust, really. Mm. Um, and that's a shame in some ways, because I because th- I, I feel sad about the computer. I mean, not that I think the P, the desktop PC is going anywhere. Um, but it's certainly dying in that particular market. And, and kids, um, you know, my kids, well, my, my Izzy's old enough to ha- play on a tablet. We have a Kindle Fire that isn't hers, but it's a big one. So it's nice for her to play on and she, she uses it all the time and she absolutely adores it. And what does she mostly use that for? She, there's there's loads of really good kids games. Games um, In then. particular, oh yeah, almost exclusively games. Um, I don't, we don't really go in for letting them watch uh, TV on them or anything like that. But um the CBeebies app, I mean, God bless the BBC, that, you know, that the CBeebies app is phenomenal. And there are a couple of them. One is stories and one is games. And they're both such beautifully made apps that they it's really nice to use them. And, and you know they're safe with that kind of stuff. Um, so none of it surprises me, really. I, I, I was sort of aware that tablet use was sort of dropping off a bit. Um, I, I don't know. I, I guess everyone sort of rushed out to buy a tablet, didn't they? It was one of those very surprising things that I, you know, I remember how much I laughed at the original iPad. Um, but, you know, they've totally gone and proved me wrong, haven't they? Yeah. 
they have and i agree with brilliantly with cbbc that's a, a great one i mean i the, the daft thing is is that some of the stuff that cbbc comes out with i've i've downloaded at least one in the last in the last couple of weeks because they've got this fantastic thing that's kind of like imagine sonic the hedgehog was actually a snail um, chasing uh, a French chef with a with a saucepan, trying to cook <laughs> said snail, and it, it's an addictive little fun game that came out of CBBC. And uh, I was doing a podcast yesterday, and m- my girlfriend was playing that for a good forty five minutes, That's playing amazing. playing this this snail game, um, which which was great. And and so I'm I'm assuming that that's different though on the other side of your family spectrum. Your 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 parents, both of whom you said have iPads, and the same yeah. is true for me. They, I imagine, are not playing as many games. Probably using it more for well, catch up TV, internet, and email. Uh, casual games, I think. I don't think they watch any TV on them. I think it's mostly email, casual games. I mean, you know, things like Sudoku and Candy Crush and that kind of thing. I don't know. I don't actually know what my dad uses his for. Uh, I, they've been they've both been kind of resistant to uh, reading books on them. I, I, my mum didn't even really want a Kindle, and then no. she got one, and I I think she kind of sort of admitted that it was probably the greatest thing ever. My um, my mum did nothing of the sort. She didn't really want one, didn't like the idea. I gave her one. She didn't use it. Even when I bought her a book for it that I knew that she liked, that she knew she'd like, she didn't want to read that either. Really? So I, I've pretty much conceded that uh, there is there is no love to be had in uh, in her house for for the for the Kindle. That's fascinating. She isn't loves. It? She's one of these uh, classics that's like that. Classic people who likes books book. and paper and 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 I get that. But doesn't everyone like books? I mean, yeah. like, I, I sort of, I, I don't know. I, for me, it's. I mean, I read The Martian on Kindle, um, and I, I just thought I could have this book now. I could start reading The Martian now. Um, I don't want to wait for a book to turn up. And it's the now. We're the now generation, though, mate. We, well, we the, are, you know, and we but are at the, the same time, I can, crowd. I can, I could probably say that I, I suspect there are other books where I'm glad. I mean, we've got loads of books in this house, but. Honestly, how many books do I go back and reread? Uh, mm. I mean, they look nice. I get that. But isn't it just a waste of paper? Perhaps. But let, let's get back to some of these, yes. these, these figures. So we're, we're seeing um, a, a dram- dramatic rise. And, uh, you know, th- those figures, that, looking back to some of the other figures in here, just broken out a little bit more specifically, 37% in 2015 of UK tablet owners are aged 55 or over. 30, or rather, 55... Of people aged 55 or over, 37% of them have a tablet. Now, that would account for your parents and my parents. And in fact, my gran has an iPad, and she's actually pretty comfortable using that for gaming, for YouTube. Um, she FaceTimes. But anyway, I don't think she's going to be using Twitter anytime soon. But it is interesting that she um, you know, she features in this study and is not alone uh, no. in, in having an iPad. So there we go. There is room in the UK hand for an additional tablet it seems so tablet developers keep going okay ian you wanted to talk a little bit about about something that pretty much broke before we started recording the show um today which is that android wear is going to be compatible with ios yeah, um, it, you need to have one of a set of very specific watches um, for it to work. The only one on the market right now that works is the LG 
uh, watch Urbane, which I have in front of me right now. That's the stylish one that was unveiled at Mobile World Congress, I think. Yes, that's correct. Um, it's uh, I've got the silver one. It's very pleasant. Um, it, it goes along with the G Watch R, same screen, but um, but a slightly more classic watchy style bezel. Mm. Um, so uh, yes, so that watch, and then the um, the new Azus, the Zen Watch Two, the new Huawei watch, and um, or however that word is pronounced, Huawei, uh, Huawei, and um, and then another one which I forget. Well, that's um, okay because what I really want to ask is yeah. when we say Android Wear is now compatible with iOS. What is it that's compatible? How does that work? Is well, that... Re- Google's released an app for um, Apple, you know, which I was actually quite surprised about because I thought they'd managed to find a way to just do it over Bluetooth or something. But I guess you are always going to need an app. Um, but I, d- I just, I just sort of assumed that either Google wouldn't want to or Apple wouldn't let them put an app in the market. But they, they have done it, and it's uh, I've downloaded it for my iPhone. Um, I think there must be a watch update coming because I can't actually get them to pair and talk to each other at the moment. Um, so I'm just waiting to see if there's a, an update comes through for um, the watch. The, the Google, I don't know what is wrong with Google, but their blog entries for this stuff is are absolutely appalling. The amount of information in them is just ridiculous it says essentially these watches are supported um and that's it <laughs> basically go for it so but they're supported they in, mention... in that the app is released and allows you to no, sync data mention... between no, they didn't even mention the app i thought do i need an app um none of it was in there i had to go to the verge to watch a video to discover whether there was any uh you know whether you need an app or not i just why can't you put out some good information i don't know maybe because i I guess i'm not on google's press list somehow i've managed to not get on it Mm. because they haven't said anything directly to me um but you know it's exciting news and i've known for a while that this was potentially possible i'd i have a a chap i speak to um at a com- a bit you know a big company and he told me a while ago that um the support was coming in this version of android um uh, for for smart for, for ios but of course he obviously isn't privy to the the, the machinery that goes on behind the scenes with google and apple no right? but let's i think we can speculate here and, and move this into the second bit that we wanted to discuss yeah. here which is that this has been released now because there are going to be a metric crap ton of new Android Wear smartwatches descending on the halls of IFA in just a couple of yes. days. And it makes sense for... Samsung. There's bound to be a Samsung one, isn't there? They've well, already started teasing that. Well, they have. I mean, we know that this is... Well, there are a couple of names that I've I've heard this to be uh, called. One of them is the Galaxy Gear S2. Yes. but And that one was previously called the Gear A. I think it's called the Gear S2 because they did sort of kind of trail that at uh, their unpacked event, their event the other week. Mm. So that is one that is coming. We also are expecting to see the um, another smartwatch, possibly from TomTom, certainly a wearable from TomTom mm, is being interesting. Ru- uh, rumoured. We've got the uh, Asus ZenWatch 2 which yes. actually was announced at Computex, uh, Computex, but they are going to be giving prices and release dates out for this. Then there's also possibly a, another one or two from... Oh, we mentioned Huawei. That one yep. might be compatible with Jobin Up. Got Motorola, uh, Samsung, as we mentioned. Oh, uh, yeah, Motorola, that was it. That yeah, was and then one. there's the LG Nemo smartwatch, oh. which may have a, a sort of 
it's a square resolution, we think. Oh, no. But Yeah, but it might have a circular screen, so I don't know. But uh, um, Interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm having a look now on Google to see if there's it, anything interesting. It seems to me that the rumour is that that's going to continue the design trajectory that the Urbane sets out. So this all seems to me that we're going to see a lot of these watches dropping at EFA, and Android wants to make sure that for all those iOS users that are there, they're going to be writing positive things into their copy and into their reports for news outlets such as myself and, and yourself <laughs> um, that indeed Android Wear works now with iOS. So well, the, the a timely release. about it, which is pretty much unusual for them. So Yeah. All right. Well, Aoife, I'm going to be at and Ian will be covering as well here. So next weekend, you can expect to have some endless floor uh, reporting from myself and what I tend to do, which is since about 90% of my friends tend to be technology journalists in some form or another, uh, just grab people as I see them around the show floor and demand they talk to me on the program. So that will be coming up. And then Ian and I will no doubt have a more roundup-y type uh, section of the show for next week as well. One thing, by the way, as well, that just occurred to me, the Samsung, I don't know, there's no guarantee that will run Android Wear. No. I think it could run their own operating Tizen. system. Yeah. Tizen. So that's an interesting thing because that will, that could make it quite an interesting sell. Well, it could, but it would also mean exclude it from the compatibility with other Android phones, couldn't it? Well, yes, because they've never time. included it, but there's no reason they couldn't no allow iPhones. that. No. Well, we'll come back to that. We'll see what we get from there. Do check back with the show next week and we will answer all these questions and put everything that you've heard into context. But it goes without saying that if you have opinions on the EU launching a study into Uber or if you have use case scenarios for your children or from your parents or grandparents about usages for tech uh, for tablets that is that we haven't discussed today maybe you have a grandparent that uses a tablet for something particularly obscure or obscene who knows um but we would love to know uh, particularly if it's obscure a little less so to be honest if obscene although not that much difference if we're perfectly honest because both make for fast fantastic podcasting podcast at natelangson.com is where you can send obscurities and obscenities <laughs> Honestly, I sometimes wonder if I just left you alone, if I just disconnected, what would happen? What you would just come out with? It's time to move into a bit of feedback. We have uh, one in particular I wanted to read out this week. This, this gets to take, out, um, take up most of the feedback time for this week's show because we have a writer, a listener called Andrew, who wrote in about girls and IT GCSEs. And specifically, this is because last week we talked about how there's been a huge rise in students opting for computing as a GCSE, which includes coding and how apps work, uh, and includes a massive rise in girls taking the course. And this is in uh, addition to the IT classes that have existed for a very long time which is more focused on things like spreadsheets word processing and what have you anyway andrew says that uh, my eldest daughter has just finished her gcse's she did the computer science one rather than the standard it when she did it it was compulsory nationally uh, he believes and his other daughter who's two years younger it is no longer compulsory and so she isn't doing it she had to choose between it and for example history or french now, it's uh, Andrew says that the computer science, the computing side of things, 
was actually very badly taught, even though the school is apparently a specialist school in computing. He says he ended up teaching her more the day before her exam than she'd learned through the course. The teachers were pretty clueless for many aspects, he says. But even with that, she managed a B, which he uh, parenthetically suggests maybe that's something to do with the exams being a little bit too easy might have been conducive there. And of course, his daughter's amazing abilities, he adds. But along with a great intro to programming concepts, they did have to learn weird stuff like conversions between hexadecimal and binary, which seems perfectly fair in computer science. And, and um, you know, they, they do come across that in uh, computer science degrees. But he questions why that would be necessary in GCSE. Uh, level uh, studies and he says the cur- the course certainly needs a massive refresh for some aspects it seems it's about 10 years out of date so it seems that there are girls taking this course but maybe the course actually isn't that satisfactory and with some of these classes now not being compulsory even though we've seen a rise over the last few years of students taking these as gccs the fact that they now don't have to may mean that we see uh, a, a decline. At least that's what Andrew is hypothesizing mm. here. And, and he reckons in his own experience, um, his daughter didn't necessarily get the kind of tuition from the school that she would need to actually remain engaged in computer science. So maybe yeah. the, the the subject, the uh, the summary here is the, the rise in these numbers might be a flash in a pan and other factors may not help that trend continue in future. Yeah, well, one problem definitely with IT that it doesn't exist or, you know, computing, it doesn't exist in other languages and things like that so much is that you have to keep updating it. You know, you can't, it has to be someone with a really good background in computers has to be writing the syllabus every year yeah. uh, because it changes so quickly. And, you, you know, you don't have that problem with English. Like, you know, the rules of English do not change very quickly. Have, they, have uh, you seen the new <laughs> quarterly update to the Oxford English? Uh, oh, no, no, don't call it the Oxford the English OED. Dictionary, yeah, the, the Oxford Dictionary of English, please, because I, mean, I, won't, I shan't have this good name of the OED sullied with this nonsense. No, I'm a fan of the OED, but... You know, bitch face is now in there. Uh, and, and isn't um, retweet as well made it in? That is at least, I think, fair. I mean, if all of these are documenting the development of the English language, then I suppose all are equal. These are terms that get used. Well, well actually, one thing that's interesting, because I, I looked into it because I thought, oh, it's not the OED, is it? It's the, it's the ODE. And um, one thing that came out of that is the OED is, the, is a history of language. So it has stuff added to it and it, nothing can never be taken out of that. Um, whereas the ODE uh, is updated constantly. So it's supposed to reflect the language as it is now. But and I I, but they never really press announce the things they've taken out, do they? They always go big on, we've added hashtag to the English language. And I'm like, oh, for God's sakes, this wearying display again to get publicity. Um, uh, but they never tell us what they take out. So it'd be interesting to know, wouldn't it, what comes out of that dictionary each year? One is gutling, which is a great eater, from uh, which was used in the 1600s. That's apparently been removed. Well, that seems like a terrible shame. We should bring that back straight away. Yeah. There's also the Anythingarian, which is one who professes no creed in particular, an indifferentist. (laughs) This was used in uh, the context in the 1700s as such bifarious Anythingarians that always make their interest the standard of their religion. That's actually quite an interesting word, isn't it? Yeah. that, that, That could be quite applicable to a certain section of society even today. Yes. We're letting good words die, people. 
Yeah, I know. It's crazy, isn't it? Okay, well, I think that is enough of a tangent for this week. Thank you very much, Andrew, for, for writing in with that uh, interest, very interesting feedback. You too can write in with your interesting feedback or just feedback. It doesn't have to be interesting, but of course, it is preferential if it does conform to the standards of interestingness. Podcast at natelangson.com. We want to move on to one final story for this week's podcast, which is that half, that's 50%, of UK <laughs> of UK web browsers <laughs> are to have flash ads and autoplay video blocked by default. Half. If you look around you, people listening, see the people around you, imagine half of them don't exist. That's the extent that we're talking here. So why are flash ads and autoplay videos going to be blocked by default on UK browsers? Well, it's not just UK. I did just emphasize that for the purposes of this show being a UK-focused podcast. But it's because half of UK browsers, web browsers in the UK, are Google Chrome. And Google has set a date of September the 1st for when its Chrome browser will block all flash content that isn't, quote, central to the web page. Now, this is things like ads, autoplaying videos, or even non-video websites that have Flash stuff baked into them. They'll automatically be paused by default. So if you want them to play, you have to click on them and, and play them. Whereas there are embeddable players, which would be considered the, the, the focus of the website. That's things like YouTube, of course, um, where these will play by default as they normally would these have been teased out in earlier versions of chrome this year and there are additional benefits other than just the removal of annoying web page components things like battery life which uh you know auto playing flash ads and looping videos running in the background these all suck up cpu time and that all sucks up battery power um, referring to a story here posted on ars technica um, which has got some more detail about this um if you want to go into the detail but ian i'm curious about your thoughts google which has in the country and i think globally now the most popular web browser saying we're not letting your flash ads and your flash videos play by default. Um, that's a hell of a move. That's opt out. That's not opt in. Yeah. And because Chrome is very good at auto updating and auto updating in the background, so people don't tend to know that their browser has been updated, people are just going to suddenly stop seeing these. Now, that has a, a bunch of implications commercially for websites that rely on ads that uh, for, for, for paying their staff salaries, but also for autoplay videos, which we saw in a very negative way earlier this month with the um, US journalist being shot on live TV and the, the, uh, the guy who did the shooting then immediately posted the video to Twitter which auto-played in people's browsers on, in, in some instances, which showed a very, very bad and uh, shocking use of what is a, a effectively very simple technology. So a number of ways that this can, that, you know, this could benefit or, or harm people, depending on the, your side of the fence you sit on here. But either way, pretty big news. Yeah, it's, it's huge. Um, I, to be honest with you, I don't know how many big ad agencies and reputable companies are still using Flash to deliver ads. I, it's The whole thing's a, a nightmare. Uh, we've had two instances, I think this, this year, of serious malware being distributed by ads uh, that run Flash. Um, Adobe has essentially given up on that 
product, hasn't it? And it, it, it isn't getting updated at the frequency. I mean, they, they're quite good with patches when there's a security problem, but it, it, there's no interest in Flash anymore. It is a dead technology. We've moved over to HTML5. Um, that's great. It's a you know, it's a far more suitable product for delivering video online. Yeah, and um, let's not forget, less, of course, that if it wasn't for ads, Flash probably would have died quite some time ago. Yeah, I mean, I think some people still deliver Flash video, don't they? I mean, occasionally you get a very old video on YouTube that has um, that is still Flash. I think I don't. I think Google only transcodes videos if there's some demand for them i mean that would make sense wouldn't it after it can't tra- possibly transcode every video to uh, html5 i don't quite know how the whole system works to be honest but. no but you know there are th- th- there are still studies that suggest that more ads now are still flash than no. html5 it's about i'm looking at a, uh, some numbers from a advertising company called sysmec which uh, says that 55 percent of multimedia ad impressions uh, and this is actually on mobile, we're, we're still Flash. Really? And HTML5 but that, with the so remaining 45%. Stu- that's so stupid because the iPhones never supported Flash. So No, but there are more Android phones out there. And Yeah, but it doesn't matter. You're immediately cutting out a huge and, let's be honest, fairly affluent part of your audience. If you're not advertising on the iPhone, mm. then what the hell are you doing? That's stupid. So yeah. that, you know, these ad agencies need to get their act together. If they want their ads to be seen and that they've got sort obviously it's in everyone's interest for ads to be displayed right so they can't rely on an old technology i guess flash has been popular with ad agencies because it's easy well it is easy but also it also plays and you know it's one of those things it's it's fairly ubiquitous it's supported in every browser um it's an easy win isn't it uh but now that's not true um then their ads are no longer going to autoplay which means that most of them are going to break because they won't be showing i mean i you know, I, I don't... Chrome, for me, I disabled Flash a long time ago. In fact, I've disabled all plugins in Chrome. I will be honest, for- on my... When I bought the new the new MacBook, the gold 12-inch thing they released uh, a few months back... Thing, I love that thing. Uh, <laughs> model they released a few months ago. Um, I've still, to this day, not installed Flash on it. And I haven't really noticed my experience using the no. web to have been hindered by that. Well, me neither. I, uh, you just don't need it. No. Um, I mean, okay, some adver- ads may, may not play. I, I still have the the, uh, the plug-in, mm. uh, but it's disabled and I have to manually click up. There's a big grey box pops up for any plug-in now um, and I have to manually... And you, you'd be surprised, you don't see it a lot. So, brilliant. Well, we are going to move into a future where Flash is increasingly dead. I mean, this is sort of... It's beginning to feel now like we're on the we're on the final stretch in terms of beating the crap out of Flash. This is the last the last set of hammers being given out to uh, to beat it to death, isn't it? Because if ads are the last thing keeping Flash alive, and you've now got the world's biggest browser blocking those by <laughs> default, you're pretty much going to see a, a stark decline in uh, in Flash usage, and, and it will that- raise some interesting questions for ad agencies because they will have to immediately go back to their clients. I know this might be a little bit boring for some listeners, so I'll be very brief, but if they have to start going back and explaining why it is they're getting much lower engagement overnight by, uh, you know, for their clients, and they're going to have to start explaining, well, it's because we use technology called Flash and Flash is now blocked XYZ. Clients don't care about that. They just want results. They're going to say, well, make it work. So we could hopefully start seeing this be a, a real overnight driver of higher quality ads on the web whether that's happening soon enough because obviously ad block is so incredibly uh, prevalent in, in web browsers 
I don't know, but it's going to be interesting to see. That's from the 1st of September. So let us know what you think. Are you plugged into this idea and smiling or are you blocking it out because you hate it so much? Let us know. Podcast at NateLangson.com. Your view on the death of Flash or indeed anything else we've talked about earlier in the show. We're going to wrap this up like a beautiful Christmas present. Ian, it is to you I look for to be the bow on this gift. (laughs) I will be the sellotape magnificent and you can look forward to unwrapping an efatastic present next week as we talk about the efa tech trade show i'll be santa claus and i look forward to eating mince pies with you then That's been the most, from the very minute you started that podcast, it's been the most partridge. It, when you mentioned, well, when you mentioned Uber, you, you know, you said that, that, that I got this very evening over from Euston and I just thought, and I immediately thought partridge. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> See if anyone else notices that. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.